I am going to talk about something tonight that's kind of different, and it's something that I really haven't talked about. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I haven't talked about much. I don't think I've ever talked about it in the years and years I've been teaching. But I'm, it's, I guess I could say it's Buddhist economics, which sounds like, holy shit, what is that? <laughs> I don't know what am I doing here? Which is the title of an article I was reading, so... Um, I'll just go with that until something cute comes to mind. But and the reason I I talk about it because I think it's it's really helpful um, where I'm going to go with this. I hope um, a lot of times in Buddhism, or there is the idea that desire is bad. I don't know if any of you have heard that that you know desire is bad and that you just have to be like almost robotic in your ability to be with what is and you know um, that any kind of wanting or having a preference is not good now there's the difference is that when you are in your direct experience when we're experiencing what is we stay out of preference around that it's like oh this is you know there's birds out there and I don't want there to be birds you know that's that's the difference that's the aversion to what is actually happening. That is where we don't have preference because that is, any preference is an inability to be with reality. It's saying no to your actual experience. However, this there is this um, desire. We're all here. I, I don't know why each of us have come, but what drew me to meditation was the idea that it was a way to get to uh, a place of more ease in my life. And I hear that a lot from people who are new when I've done intro to meditation classes. People say they want to bliss out or they want to deal with their rest of their anxiety. Any number of reasons why people come to this practice and stay in this practice. Because if you've come, if you've done any practice, you know it's not like a walk in the park. There's some challenges to it. Sitting quietly with your own experience is not anything most of us sign up for. We are really well-schooled in doing other things and distracting ourselves and taking our taking our, ourselves in many other directions, as you probably noticed just during the sit this afternoon, where you're somewhere, you're tomorrow, you're yesterday, you're figuring this out, you're whatever it is. So, um, where was I going with that? Um, but so there is the. Um, this practice, we come to this practice with, uh, a, we have a reason for coming here, whether it's well-defined or not. I don't know if mine was really well-defined, but we, we come because we perhaps want something better. And we stay, perhaps, with the goal of enlightenment, because that's what the Buddha talked about. The Buddha talked about letting go of craving, because craving is the root of our discomfort, our dissatisfaction, this wanting things to be pleasant all the time, and our inability to be with the reality of loss and, and sadness, and even sometimes the inability to be with joy is difficult for some people um, because of self-doubt or criticism or judgment or whatever. So we have this desire to be free of clinging. So that's a a, a different kind of desire than the craving. And in the Buddhist, in the suttas, there actually is a differentiation between these two types of desire. There's what's called 
tanha, and I normally don't use Pali words, but I find it it's easy, it's 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 beneficial here because it's distinctive. It's a way to refer to the one and the other. That's kind of the shorthand. So there's tanha, which is translated as thirst, and that's when they talk about the craving and the wanting, the desire, the the almost the obsessive desire to have good all the time. That's tanha. This, this unquenchable thirst. And then the other one, this other desire, this more wholesome desire, is chanda. So tanha and chanda. And um, tanha is the desire for, it's the thirst is this desire for craving. And it's what the Buddha talks about in these second noble truths is like, you know, the first noble truth is there is discomfort, there is dissatisfaction, there is loss. Shit happens. It's gonna happen. How do you hold that? Like I said, the birds are chirping outside. I don't want the birds to chirp. That's a getting getting into that craving for something different. It will be life would be so much better without birds. It's a silly example, but we do that all the time. We do that all the time. It'd be so much better if. Well, how do you hold what is? Whereas tanha is, um, I mean, excuse me, chanda is the desire for well-being. It's a desire to, it's a motivating desire. To, it's why we make the effort to sit on the cushion, so to speak. It's why we make the effort to practice, to stay with the discomfort of, of that stuff that arises, those things we may not want to be interested in, the, uh, the willingness to turn towards the stuff we've been stuffing down. Um, much of our lives, the willingness to let go of our conditioning. You know, who would we be if we didn't have, if we didn't think about ourselves this way? What if we let go of this storyline about ourselves? What if we were willing to be, you know, um, have reality and ourselves in the same room? That's what Chanda is, this, this desire for well-being. And they, they lead to, they both lead to satisfaction of, of a type, but they lead to different types of satisfaction. Tanha is um, satisfying the craving for sensual pleasure, sensual pleasure, wanting things to be pleasant all the time. And I want, I want it, I want pleasant taste, unpleasant thoughts, I want you all to do what I want you to do, I want everybody to get their shit together, I want them to just fall into line so I will have. Um, some comfort in my life. Um, and that's, you know, that's when the mind starts really getting into this level of discomfort when things don't unfold the way we want them to unfold. We start getting into judgment. We start getting into criticism. We start getting into blame. We start getting into shame. We start getting into guilt. We have this story, this narrative that starts popping up. If you had been X, Y, and Z, then I would be happy. Or if I had said this or whatever. We have this deep conditioning that we've um, grown up with, the world we live in family, culture, there's, you know, this cultural conditioning, depending on what you look like or where you come from or the language you speak or who you love, the society is telling you all these things about yourself. And um, we, we internalize all this stuff. We have these implicit um, memories, these implicit biases that we don't question. We don't question them. And then our parents tell us things, or our family, or our teachers tell us things, and we internalize those. And so we're walking around with stories around about ourselves that are not necessarily true. 
Anybody in here ever suffer from perfectionism? <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a story that we tell ourselves. Because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a guarantee against unpleasantness. If I were perfect, then it would be okay. I'm not perfect. Well, if you just did X, Y, or Z, then you would be perfect. If I hadn't done that. So that's the second arrow that we shoot ourselves with that the Buddha talks about, the second dart. There's the reality of our existence, and then ours, the, the mind kicks in to start berating ourselves. So um, that's where tanha leads. Tanha leads to a satisfaction of, I got something pleasant, but it's, not, it's never enough. There's always something more. I mean, I know you, I like saying this, you've all gotten something you want. I'm sure you can think of something in your life somewhere along the line that you've got something you really want. Hmm? Have you lived happily ever after? There's always something else. There's always something else. So that tanha leads to this desire that can never be, can never be satisfied, whereas shanda leads to act, effort and action based on clear thinking. Um, we, we move in a direction and saying, okay, I want to move in this direction, and the satisfaction will be of a different type. And in thinking about this, I was thinking about eating, which is really simple. Um, it's a simple. It's a simple concept, I think, to think about. You're eating something that's like pleasurable, and you just kind of shovel it in, yum, 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 and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, full. Um, and you may not even remember eating it. You just know it tasted pleasant. You want more and more and more and more. Whereas if you're just eating for nourishment, like if you've ever gone on retreat, everything slows down. Everything slows down on retreat and you practice mindful eating and you're sitting there. And this has been my experience and other people I've talked to have had the same experience. You take a bite and you chew it and you experience it and you swallow it. And then you lift up your fork and you take another bite and you experience it and you swallow it. And before you know it, you're satiated or you're sated before, and you're not stuffing yourself. You're realizing, oh, this is, oh yeah, this is good. This is the nourishment. This is, this is the satisfaction that is, has a different flavor than the satisfaction of, of, of craving and wanting more. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm good because there's a different perspective in how you're approaching these things. Does that make sense? So that's the difference between the tanha and the chanda. Um, chanda is, 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 is I mean, excuse me, tanha, this craving stems from ignorance, of not seeing clearly, of wanting just to want, of believing the storyline without actually investigating the storyline. So we, that's what we're doing is in this practice of investigating the storyline. Is this true? What's my actual experience? Is this true? And there's a question, you know, um, when we find ourselves in this place of, of, of wanting something, because, you, you know, you might want things. It's like, I want to go to the movies, or I want, I want that relationship, or I want X, Y, or Z. We all have desires. We all have desires. When you get to this place of saying, well, what desire do I want, or where, what's, what's driving this, that's where the investigation comes in. You know, well, what's driving this? Am I, am I moving towards wholesome ideas, or am I moving towards a filling of a hole that can never be filled? This craving that I think this will make me happy, or is, is greed driving the train? Is greed what's driving it? So um, really paying attention to that kind of thing. Um, 
So Tanha is um, is really everywhere, especially in the culture we live in. They invent stuff just to fulfill craving. It's like, you know, they make shit up to sell you that you don't even need. And it's, it's, um, it's extraordinary. I think Joseph Goldstein, who's a teacher in this tradition, talks about, I, I can't remember his exact phrase, but it's like catalog. You, you start reading a catalog and all of a sudden you start needing things that you didn't even know existed five minutes ago. What is that old magazine they had in airplanes? Sky, Sky, Sky Mall. Yeah, you're like, oh my, look at that. Yeah, I can use that. It's like, no, you can't. I mean, you probably could, but what is that? I mean, if you want it because you you want it, that's that's one thing. But if there's a if there's that underlying, oh, this will take care of that. You know, it, it, there's this distinction. So when you're in that place, pause. As with any of these things. Try not to be reactive, but like, what's, re- what's really driving this? What's really driving this? And it's not just about stuff. It's about, you know, relationships or jobs or anything that you have this compulsive, obsessive thing about. I mean, it's, yeah, if you stop and you think that about the, um, when you've been driven by kinds of got to have this, got to have this, got to have this, what was driving it? And where did you end up with it? It's really interesting. Um, yeah, we have to really be cautious in this world of influencers that are out there and we don't even know. And I, I, I'm still, I, I, I've talked about this before, but I'm always, I, the fire Festival was one of those, if you're familiar <laughs> about with the fire Festival, that was all influencers. You need to spend $10,000 to come to the Bahamas for this three-day weekend, and it never happened, and it was like... I was not in that realm, so I didn't know about it until after it was a disaster. But just watching the documentary about it, if you've seen the documentary about it, it's just mind-boggling. That not the the a, the story was mind-boggling, but that there are people out there they're giving two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to. I think it was Kylie Jenner. Here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars for one tweet to tell people to come to this thing because you need to be there because it's awesome and you need to be with these people. It's just, if you're not paying attention, we get sucked into that stuff. I'm, I don't live in that realm, but I live in smaller realms, you know? I see a shiny car, I see this or that or the other, um, whatever. Anyway, we have to pay attention because it's coming at us from every direction. It's on the sides of buses, it's on bus stops, it's everywhere, it's commercials, it's everything. We have to pay attention. Um, social media, you know, all, you all know about social media, you don't need to talk about it. So, um, that being said, um, Buddhism is not against um, consumption. This is why I'm talking about economics, because this was under this rubric of economics about consumption. It's like, there's this idea that in Buddhism, there's a a goal of poverty. Does anybody have that sense of that? You have to let go of everything and not have stuff. And that's not what it's talking about. In fact, Buddha equated poverty with suffering. It's when you don't have enough to meet your needs. There There are monastics who live as renunciates. They don't own anything, but that's a particular spiritual practice. It doesn't mean all of us do that. It doesn't mean householders do that. It's com- um, it's about enhancing our well-being. 
So Shanda, consu- Shanda, Shanda consumption is well-being and spiritual development and in moderation of seeing what is actually necessary to meet your needs. What do you need to meet your needs? There's nothing wrong with going out and making a living to support yourself in a comfortable way. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Asceticism doesn't work. The Buddha tried that. He was, uh, he was a wealthy that didn't work. Tried asceticism, giving everything up, living on a grain of rice a day. That didn't work. He found the middle way. You know? And if you read the suttas, there were plenty of very wealthy people in his world. There was, there was the king, he hung out with kings who supported him, who were benefactors, who were, who were working for social good, who helped share the wealth. I mean, very much into social justice and economic justice. You know, make, make what's, um, if you have something to offer, offer it to others who don't have. So you're doing good with your wealth. You're not just accumulating for the, for the, um, just to have. Like, like these billionaires. It's like, really? How much is enough? It's like, I don't know, but I want more. You know, the, 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 the money that you will never use in your lifetime. I'm probably, if somebody gave me a million dollars, I'd be happy. Seriously, I don't actually think I'd need more than that. I'm, I have way less than that, and I'm fine. I'm actually fine. You know, so, so the, the, the mindless consumption that just is um, rampant, this, this, compulsive, this compulsive consumption breeds dissatisfaction. It breeds wanting more because it doesn't fix anything. So the, the idea is to set the intention to have our, 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 our livelihood and our desires align with our spiritual practice of not causing harm, of being kind and compassionate. And not causing harm in, in a way it's like it's being beneficial, supporting ourselves, supporting our families. In fact, there's five things that the Buddha talked about. There's always a list um, benefits of wealth, we support our family, we support our, fram- our family, our friends, our associates it's for taking care of ourselves. It's for being generous to relatives and, and strangers and, and um, society at large and for supporting um, monastics because that's how they are, that's how they uh, survive on the generosity of others. So it's really Wise, if we align what we have um, in a mind, a mindful, skillful way, it's to to align ourselves with this um, the goal of ending suffering for ourselves and for others. And it talks about contentment. People misunderstand contentment because they fail to distinguish between the two different kinds of desire, the tana and the chanda. We lump them together and in proposing contentment, dismiss them both. A contented person comes to be seen as one who wants nothing at all. Here lies our mistake. And I've seen that over and over and over again. People get twisted in this idea of not self, like the Buddha teaches that there's no fixed self. And therefore, if I have no self, I do not want anything, which is kind of a, a, a very abstract, odd way. And they do have wants, but the, there's this 
um, I don't want to call it the spiritual bypass of saying, you know, that denial of the reality, thinking that we shouldn't have desires. And, and I'm saying, no, desires are fine. Just making sure they're wholesome and what's, what's driving them. You know, that continual asking, what is this? What is this? Is, am I driven by fear? Am I driven by, you know, craving? Or am I driven by a true desire for, um, you know, moving down the path towards uh, awakening, a freedom for myself and for others? I mean, bodhis, the idea of the bodhisattva is the person who foregoes their enlightenment in order to, um, um, to work for the enlightenment of all beings. That's a desire. The bodhisattva, which is an ideal, has a desire for the freedom for all beings. So if we have a desire to work for um, helping others, you know, the first precept is about not causing harm. We don't intentionally kill, but we, we cultivate kindness and compassion. We cultivate generosity, you know, we cultivate these things. We, we want to be generous. We want to cultivate this. That's a desire. We can't mask it by saying, oh, no, I just, I just want to be a good Buddhist. But recognizing that it's there. And to have con- there is contentment in that. Is that what I was talking about? That con- there is contentment. You know? A contented person can want something. To continue to move along this path. Without the flavor of craving. And, and with the ability to be with what happens. And that's part of what intention is. That seeing clearly, it's like I'm, I'm moving in this direction. I'm, I'm hoping to act in a wise way. I'm hoping to act in a compassionate way. I'm hoping to offer kindness to all beings. I'm hoping to practice renunciation of that which doesn't serve. And recognition that's just going to happen. And how do I hold it when that happens? How do I hold it when someone I love deeply passes away? How do I hold it when something is, is lost? <laughs> I, um, that's, that's really where the, metal, the rubber meets the road of how we're landing with this practice, of how we hold it when we walk out the door. Not wanting, I, you know, I, I, this example keeps popping up in my head, so I'll share it. I, I've tracked my expenses on Quicken for many, many years, like 20 years. And uh, it wasn't opening for me last week. It just wasn't opening, wasn't opening. And I tried all the fixes. And so what I did is I have been backing up my stuff, my, my files regularly, so I wasn't concerned about that. So I uninstalled it and reinstalled it. When I reinstalled it and when it opened up, the files were from 2016. So I've lost three years of data because I, I have... I have quick in 2003 because I haven't needed to get anything later than that. But, and so I'm, I'm, I'm watching, you know, the mind. It's, um, I don't know what this has to do with this, except it's money. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the mind go, okay, this is, this is what's happening. Okay, this, is a, this sure sucks. And this is going to be a pain in the ass, and um, I can, you know, get my um, get my uh, data from the bank right now. But um, what, where my head is going is, I'm thinking that now that my Quicken has been wiped out, I actually have no money. 
it's like my bank accounts got wiped out too. It's just this really weird mental thing that my mind is doing. And so I find myself going in and out of this. I think I was in a store this morning buying some juice or something and going, oh, that's all the money I have. No, I have. <laughs> it's this really weird thing. But if we're not paying attention, you know, we can just fall into these wacky places. So we have to pay attention. And I don't know what that has to do with it, but I made it. Uh, this happened. I know why. Um, can I be content anyway? Saying, this is a crappy thing that happened. Can I be content anyway? And I am content. My life is full, is content. I don't need to have those three years of files back to be okay. Shit happens. How do I hold it when it happens? That's what it's all about. I can watch the mind want to go off on that path and be slightly annoyed that I'm going to have to sit and do all this manual labor for this, this last six months or this year. Luckily, I don't have to do anything, but, um, you know, it's just, okay, this is, this is the way it is right now. Right now, it's like this. Right now, it's like this. That's what the, you know, right now, it's like this. You know, what, and then the other side of it, the, you know, the uh, uh, Zen mind, beginner's mind teaches, what is this? Same thing. What is this? Staying present, staying present, staying present, staying with our experience right now, staying with what's, what's real right in this moment, what's happening right now. That's what it's all about. Um, and the Buddha even talked about, as if we move in this direction, there's a quote from the sutta, he says, the wise, and if we are, um, you know, moving aligned with our spiritual practice and how we live in the world, the wise and virtuous shine forth like beacons. Those who acquire their wealth in harmless ways, like bees that gather honey, riches mount up for them like anthills rapid growth. I don't know how true that is, but it's not anything to be ashamed of. This desire, this accumulation, if we have an accumulation of wealth, this comfort, it's okay. This is not a practice of aestheticism. This is not a practice of um, sackcloth and ashes, of poverty, of, of going without. It's actually a practice of being really wise. There's, um, I, some of you know um, Stephen Levine, Stephen and Andrea Levine. And they taught for many, many, many years. And they ended up giving all their money away. And at the end of their life, they didn't have enough to take care of themselves. And Spirit Rock the, had to do a, a fundraiser for them a few years ago to help support them uh, with their medical bills. And it's like, that's not wise. That's causing harm. And so if you can really align yourself with that, because we also live in a culture of under-earners, and thinking that, not everybody, obviously, but thinking like not deserving, but saying, no, actually, it's wise and wholesome to take care of yourself. It's really smart to not put you or your family in jeopardy because it's just as, as you um, get yourself spiritually aligned with this path and can not create harm for others in a, in a, in a, in a, in a relational kind of way, Taking care of yourself in this kind of financial security kind of way is also wise. It's really also wise. And, and, um, and I think something that we don't talk about, and I think finances and sex are some of those things that people don't talk about a lot in these, in these kinds of 
gatherings because it's almost like a taboo topic. I don't know, but I never hear Dharma talks about money. Rarely hear Dharma talks about money. That's not. It's not. Um, it's not evil. One of the things I also I heard, uh, and this is true about many things. How we deal with this is based on how we grew up, how we were taught. You know, whether there was an ease or whether there was a fear or whether there was a uh, whatever whatever our relationship we learned from our our um, you know our formative years. A lot of times we carry with us, and we have to disentangle ourselves from that, especially if it's if it's um, uh, doesn't serve. And so how do we, how do we form a, a healthy relationship with it? So um, That's my thoughts around this. Again, as I said, this is something that I really haven't taught before, so I really appreciate your patience with me. Oh, there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about. I like. Um, it's my, my last notes here. Um, in this book, I got this. They were talking about it in, um, in the realm of the, the, the hungry ghost, the tanha, the thirst can be um, like there's a, in Buddhist cosmology. There's this realm of these these groups of um, this, this this group of creatures called hungry ghosts. Are you familiar with what they might look like? They're ginormous, fat, like round balls with little teeny mouths. They are never satisfied, and that's what tanha is. Tanha is that realm of hungry ghosts. I was talking to oh. Who said that? I think Rick Hansen said that. He was talking about like social media and the consumption. It's where that's the realm of the hungry ghosts. This 24-hour news cycle is the realm of the hungry. There's never enough. There's never you, they show the same story. I saw it a few weeks ago when Notre Dame was burning at eleven o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the afternoon. They're still showing it. There's never gonna be enough. So it's like it's not necessary. So to really, really, um, I, I, I love that image. Um, I think it's really an important image. So thank you. Now I'm done officially. <laughs>